Welcome to Vistas by WebCheck Security. News, views, and insights into the cybersecurity realm, leadership, and entrepreneurship. Produced by WebCheck Security. My name is Greg Johnson, and I'm your host. In the early 2000s, the cyber industry started with Logarithm and Splunk by storing logs, which might provide insight into data breach and anomaly. 20 years later, and light years behind MirSim, the XDR market is flooded with products and full-service vendors and MSSPs. What is real and what is hype? In today's podcast, we learn from CEO Matt Daly and Virtual Armor. Vistas is supported by Nexus IT, a worry-free, hyper-responsive approach to providing world-class IT support and solutions so leaders can focus on their business. Shout out and gratitude to Earl Foote and crew and the great work they do at Nexus IT. Now, to our guest today. Matt Daly is our guest today. He is our chief executive. He is a chief executive officer at Virtual Armor, a full-service network and cybersecurity company headquartered in Denver, Colorado, and with teammates across four countries. Prior to Virtual Armor, Matt served as a vice president at Davida, a Fortune 500 healthcare company where he led home care operations and technology and innovation strategy. Matt lives in Denver with his wife and four children. And Matt, welcome to the show. What an honor to have you on Vistas today. Thanks so much, Greg. It's really a pleasure to be here. So I understand you're an avid mountain biker. Tell us a little bit about that, your family and any other hobbies or interests. Yeah, sure. So as uh, as you mentioned in the intro, live in Denver. I moved here about seven years ago. And uh, one of the things that really love about Denver is the outdoors. And so a few things I've gotten into in the last several years, mountain biking is one, um, road biking also. And uh, we've got a fantastic trail system through the whole Denver metro area as well as in the mountains. And uh, and also backpacking is a other area I've gotten really into here. Um, you mentioned I have four kids and I'm married. And uh my kids range all the way from high school down to, to third grade. So we've got a, got a busy family and lots of sports and extracurriculars our kids are involved in. Um, and I guess our, our family, a couple maybe unique things about us. So we, uh, my wife and I are, are licensed foster parents. It's an area that we have a, a lot of uh, wow, did not uh, know passion that. for. Yeah, yeah. It's actually our two youngest kids are actually um, adopted. Uh, they were our foster kids um, initially, and then we were able to adopt them a couple years later. Um and, uh, and we're also involved with the local refugee community. That's another, another area that we've kind of been pulled toward and really fulfilling thing for us in the last, last couple of years. Well, give me some of your energy, Matt. That's fantastic. <laughs> good, good to hear. Well, uh, it, what an honor to have you on the show today. Tell our listeners about Virtual Armor. What's this company about and what problems are you solving? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so as you, I mentioned in the intro, we're headquartered in Denver, Colorado. We've been around for about 20 years now. Uh, and our footprint is, again, as you mentioned, we're in four countries across the world. So teammates across the U.S. Uh, we have actually quite a few teammates, uh, including our chief technology officer based in northern England, and then teammates in the Philippines and Argentina as well. And that's part of how we provide 24-7 coverage uh, by having that footprint. Uh, and top level, there's three lines of business we have. So first of those is managed security services. Uh, second, we have a uh, professional services group that does consulting, everything from network and cyber security assessments to remediation projects for clients to even more routine things like setting up new firewalls for a client's environment. 
And then we also do product resale. So primarily core infrastructure equipment uh, and the associated licensing and support. And, and on the managed services, really kind of four managed services we focus on. So uh, EDR, SIM, XDR, uh, managed um, uh, network um, uh, and infrastructure, and then also vulnerability management. And as I was um, in um, uh, the compliance industry with Security Metrics, they were a PCI-focused company years ago. I would often hear our clients say, you know, we, in order to maintain our PCI compliance, and this really goes for all other compliances, we just don't have the internal expertise or resources to manage the firewall like it needs to be managed to store our logs to meet the compliance and then to have the threat detection required in case we're breached because there it's a huge breach and and at that particular company uh, we would deal with lots of service providers and if those mm-hmm. service providers were breached it was no bueno for all of their clients for whom they were <laughs> processing card data so we would often get requests for companies like yourselves which do the uh, uh, the, not only the threat detection, the storage of the logs, mm-hmm. but the management of the firewall. So I think that's a significant full-service business that, that you have there, Matt. Yeah, you know, we, have, we have clients all the way from those with a couple of hundred employees to ones with tens of thousands. And, uh, you know, what we do is, to your point, you know, even large companies that might actually have a staff of, of cyber and, and security experts, um, you know, one, those staff are not always working. <laughs> and so, right, someone still has to make sure that the coverage is provided during holidays and weekends, um, you know, during the, during the night. Uh, and so that's a way for us to fill in those areas. And there, there's just a capacity issue, too. And so some of the, the maintenance of those platforms, things like updates to your firewall software, uh, even things like, you know, you can set up a SIM solution, for example, and, and if you're not continually kind of redoing the configuration, doing enhancement, making sure you're taking advantage of new functionality that's been released by that company, um, you don't get the full value out of that. And there just t- generally is a capacity problem, uh, capacity challenge that companies have, and, you know, all the way down to, of course, then the smaller organizations that may not have really any of that in-house or uh, very limited in-house expertise. And we can be the one that fills that space as well. Well, you hit the nail on the head with that. IT du jour is not the same as managed cybersecurity. And and so many companies, e- even up to, say, 5, 10 IT folks, they are sprinting on a daily basis to keep things operational, to keep the business operational. But you add a layer of cybersecurity that involves um, more sophisticated threat detection, more managed updates, and, and it, it, it's almost too much for so many organizations. So I, I see the value of, of what you, you folks are providing. Well, so healthcare to an MSSP or MDR company, that's quite a, that's quite a gap there. So how did you come to lead this company, and uh, how are you enjoying it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a, definitely a shift in industry. So I spent most of my career in healthcare, uh, now, with with some level of focus on technology, um, and uh, you know, a, just a professional goal of mine for quite some time has been to to lead an organization. And so, um, so one of the one of the simplest ways to take on a role like that is through private equity companies. 
right? So private equity companies go and buy other organizations, and they oftentimes are then looking for people to come in and help to, to run those organizations. Um, and, you know, there is a lot of variability in private equity companies and how they operate and the culture and the working environment. And so I uh, realized that was probably the, the cleanest way to get into a role like that and also uh, fraught with lots of issues to be really mindful of. So I actually started by looking at PE companies first, um, but wasn't even looking at portfolio companies at all and just going out to uh, friends of mine who had interacted with a lot of PE companies and asking about their experiences and who were some of the companies they really respected the way that they operate, the way that they treat their employees, the way they treat the employees at the portfolio companies, the way they manage those portfolio companies. Um, and came across one called Alpine Investors based in California and just heard lots of really great things about that organization and how they operate. And met a, met a few people over there and, uh, and really was impressed by them. Um, and my name, I guess, ended up in some database. And, uh, and they knew that I wanted to stay in Denver just with the ages of my kids and our life situation. Um, relocation wasn't really an option for us and, uh, and didn't want to lead a company in a different state where I was going to be on the road all the time. And, um, and yeah, I got, just got a call and said, hey, we have an opening in Denver uh, for a cybersecurity company. And my first response, honestly, was, well, sounds really interesting i don't become the person because i don't know the industry um but yeah let's have a conversation and uh, and the more i learned about cybersecurity and about virtual armor in particular the more just really excited i got about happening in the industry and the opportunities that are there um and the more i got to know alpine um, and the way they operate was also just really excited to work with them. And, and one uh, other kind of layer of that that is quite unique and has been really attractive here. So Al Alpine, uh, like like most P companies, right, their, their typical model is you buy a company, you you run it for a handful of years, and then you sell it to try and, and earn a profit. Um, and about six years ago, Alpine formed a different entity called Evergreen Services Group with an entirely different business model. And the Evergreen pitch is to go and Basically, it's a long-term home for the businesses of founders, um, and there's no intent to sell those companies. And it mostly is is uh, services companies and technology services companies they acquired. Now there are about 70 of us that are part of that group, um, and we still run very autonomously um, in how we lead the organization. Uh, but you also get the benefits of of Evergreen when it comes to you know purchasing power when you're negotiating with vendors or um, some of the resources you can tap into. Um, in addition to again the autonomy that you get, so it's just been it's been a really unique model to find in the P environment, um, and it's been just a great space to work in, and just a ton that we learn from our fellow uh, sister companies in Evergreen, and a lot of benefit we get from having that network of companies to tap into. Right, and for our listeners, that's how we came uh, to be with the relationship between WebCheck Security and Virtual Armor. We were working with a number of Evergreen uh, companies. Um, and that, that number is growing, and we're providing some of the back-end cyber services, as you know, with penetration testing and high-end yep. uh, fractional yep. CISO advisory and, and consulting. And then when it comes to um, expert services like managed firewalls and, and detection, then we can bring in virtual armor. And that's been a lot of fun to do that. Well, Matt, you've, you seem to have made that transition uh, very well. Uh, any, any client who talks to you on a, a sales call will find you very knowledgeable, uh, not not to mention your personable and affable personality, but uh, but but the, the knowledge of the industry. What what's been the biggest challenge as you've made that transition? Uh, what are some of the challenges that you've seen in cybersecurity in general? And then after that, let's let's get into uh, XDR a little bit. So, go ahead and answer that question. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, you know, so when I when I came in, I, here's some a, a perspective that I tried to adopt that I think I think really helped. And so, um, I have the benefit of I'm surrounded by great experts. Um, you know, virtual armor is full of of really really solid experts in in network and cybersecurity. And I I looked at it actually a little bit like healthcare, right? So I was in healthcare, um, and and. Davida specifically is a dialysis company. I'm not a dialysis expert. Um, I will never be the ones to put hands on a patient or to prescribe a, a treatment regimen to a patient for dialysis. Um, but I was surrounded by experts. And, and if I was able to learn from them and try and really help them to teach me and educate me so I could become conversant on the topic and then lean on them for the technical or in that case, the clinical expertise, that that's where I was able to find um, you know, how I could be successful and add value and, you know, kind of bring that business skill set in, in that uh, space. And that, that I think, hasn't been that different at Virtual Armor. I'm surrounded by really, really great technical experts um, who, who, who teach me. I learn from them. I still learn from them every day. Um, and, uh, and when things get really technical, that's who I lean on um, and, uh, and pull into conversations and pull with clients. And just together, I think we've, we've built a form really, really solid team. That, that resonates with me because people will say, well, what do you do? Well, and I'll say, well, I, I have this little cybersecurity company and, you know, we do what's called ethical hacking or penetration testing. A lot of folks don't know that that exists outside of the mm-hmm. cyber realm, right? And they think that's pretty cool. But I have to quickly point out that I'm not the smart guy in the company. I'm not the <laughs> one that's doing the, the cool stuff. I'm just kind of keeping yep. the thing yep. on the rails, right? And and <laughs> you seem to have that same track here. You're surrounded yep, that's by totally, people that's totally that are right. like, uh, I, I won't say smarter than you, but I know in my case, uh, I'm surrounded no, by are. people no, that are 10 smarter than i am <laughs> yep, yep. and i'm grateful for them because they're they're the ones they are the reason why virtual armor is able to succeed in fact we we um meet with our clients at least once a quarter and actually had a client in our office yesterday and uh and they were talking about the there are two um engineers in particular that play a lead role in supporting this client and talking about the kind of things that this client's doing for them and how much they value and appreciate them and i just i love hearing their stories the, those those men and women those are they are the reason why virtual armor is successful because of that impact they're having on clients every single day and how they they operate and bring expertise to them fantastic it, it's kind of like the first time one of our uh, consultants said hey i was able to download their entire database not not that we exfiltrate data he said i was one button away from doing that and i documented it send it in the report the client was very grateful, and, and you guys have that every day. We'll get into that in a minute, but continue answering uh, the question. The other part was, so as you got into this, you made the transition. What did you quickly learn about the cybersecurity industry? Yeah, so um, one, that it's incredibly complex. Um, yes. and, and, I, and And much more complex than I think that the layperson realizes. Um, and the sheer volume of... Um, of threats that are happening around us, right? You, you, we occasionally hear in the, you know, in in the media about kind of big breaches when they happen, and so I think all of us recognize that this is something that happens and it happens with some regularity. But I don't. I think most of us realize the sheer number of attacks that happen on a regular basis, and that this is not just you know large hospital systems that are being targeted or, or right. financial institutions right. or governments, right? It, it, it's every company, even small businesses. There's a tremendous amount of risk out there, and, and it is um, something that companies need to be really, really thoughtful about. Interesting. We, and we see that all the time with web check security. Uh, a lot of our partners, particularly in the MSP community, have smaller customers. 
because they need the MSPs to manage their IT. And, and then um, those companies, surprisingly, are breached more frequently than you'd imagine. And we, we know this because we do uh, a limited amount of digital forensics in addition to the penetration testing. And uh, you'd be surprised at sometimes how small we even had a, a plastic surgeon be breached at, at one point in time. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that smaller clinics uh, would be a target, but they are. <laughs> yeah. Small businesses. And, and and it's and it's very rational if you're if you're a bad actor, right? So you know if you're going to go after you know to to play off of that healthcare example, if you're going to go after you know Tenet Corporation, which is a large hospital system, you know that they are probably quite sophisticated in, in how they for cybersecurity. So there's a a gigantic treasure trove of information you can get that is incredibly economically valuable if you can get there, but it's going to be hard to breach. But if you go to the local plastic surgeon in <laughs> in some small city in the in the US, you know, you know, there's not as much data you can get, but there's still, you know, if you can get several hundred patient records and social security numbers and sensitive health information and the risk um, or the the likelihood there that company is not protected and doesn't have the right things in place, you know, that's a much easier target. And that still is really attractive and can be very lucrative. And so yeah, I mean it's not when you really think about it, it's not surprising that small businesses are especially vulnerable and, and increasingly will be under attack because there's a lot of money to be made by hackers and they can relatively easy get into a lot of those environments. Yes. Now, Matt, the term XDR was, this is the opinion according to Greg, the world according to Greg, right? It was coined by the cyber marketing establishment uh, and reinforced by Gartner in and around 2018 to distinguish solutions that ingested telemetry from endpoints and servers and critical assets. So it wasn't just, SIM was the next evolution of log gathering, right? And then some smart guys said, let's add analytics to that. Let's find threats. And, and it evolved into what we know as XDR today, which is taking in data or telemetry from multiple points, not just your Active Directory and your web server or your database and your firewall, but but let's include endpoints and, and all kinds of devices, even the Internet of Things. Um, so really, in your mind, what is XDR and how is Virtual Armor writing history in this kind of innovative realm? Yeah, so this is uh, definitely a hot topic and one that we talk with clients about a lot. Um, and it, it, my observation has been XDR is uh, in some ways a bit more of a term of art than science <laughs> in how it's used in the industry um, and, a, and a good marketing buzzword that doesn't have really a consistent definition uh, within the industry. And so it's used in different ways by, by organizations. Right. Um, and so, so I'll, give, I'll give an example, actually, of where we came across this. So we had um, actually this one actually is a healthcare client. So it's a, a, a hospital system. Uh, that we work with, um, and they were looking at at changing their um, EDR platform, and we we were trying to help to give some uh, advisory kind of advisement as they were looking at different options. And uh, you see this actually a number of the the EDR vendors who are starting to label their solutions as XDR, um, and and for for some valid reasons. Um, but in this case, this vendor was essentially saying, you know, hey, we're in, we're we're now an also an XDR platform, not just EDR. And by the way, if you use us, we can replace your SIM solution. 
Um, and, and as we kind of dug in and did a bit of analysis to help this client with their decision, we realized that actually they really couldn't. Um, and so there was there were some really great features that this company had added. Uh, you know, they had the ability to ingest some log sources, for example. Um, you know, they could take automated actions within the EDR platform. Um, so there were, again, some great enhancements. Uh, but but really, if you compared that to the traditional SIM being used by the client, they really actually would have had a number of gaps if they would have tried to use that as a SIM replacement today. Um, and so, again, I think XDR gets a little bit oversold in some cases. Um, how we how we think about and use the term XDR in virtual armor is we think about it as next generation SIM. Um, and, and we think, at least right now with where the technology sits, that's the place to start, is you start at kind of the SIM level, um, and then you integrate in with EDR platforms and other platforms in order to bring the benefits of XDR to life. And, and so what you know, what do we mean by that? Kind of what are the benefits of XDR? What does it bring? So there's a couple of things. One is the ability to have automated actions. So I, I think about a, a traditional SIM and some of the other platforms um, as a bit of like a check engine oil light for your car. So right, an alert goes off, you know there's a problem, you know there's a problem with your engine even, but you don't really know why. You have to go to the mechanic to do a diagnostic and figure out specifically what the problem is and then what action to take. And most and, people and just ignore their engine light until they have yeah, to get their right. emissions test, and then it becomes more important, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And, and that happens in security as well, right? Especially right. In companies that are managing internally. Uh, and maybe don't know how to handle those alerts. And so uh, what, what XDR can do is, is a couple things. One, XDR can give you a much deeper level of understanding of what's happening. And so um, there's a platform particularly that we use today uh, and increasingly are using that you can actually go and, and very quickly, it gives you a whole lot of information to understand exactly where that threat is coming from, the correlations for that threats, um, and the different uh, parts of the organization that might be impacted. Um, and so the level of detail that it gives you very easily and very quickly and the way it can tie together threats across the organization that wouldn't have been spotted by the EDR platform alone or by the, you know, the firewall uh, software alone, for example, uh, is really powerful. The other, though, is is the automated actions. And so, right, part of XDR is, uh, you know, rather than someone looking at it and saying, hey, what action should I take? Great. Now let me go and shut down access to this thing. Um, you can actually automate those pieces. Um, and, and the reason why starting at the SIM level or the ability to have really good integration is you now, whether you're talking about the firewall or the or endpoints uh, or, you know, other parts of the organization, can automate those actions across the ecosystem. And, and the challenge you have with some of the platforms that are starting in the EDR from the EDR framework and don't have that full integration built out or the ability to fully function as a SIM is you can take really great actions within the endpoints themselves but you're somewhat limited to the endpoints themselves. Um, and so, uh, and so again, that, that's why we think of that as really next generation SIM um, and starting at that level and platforms that integrate really well with an EDR solution. And, and, you know, and the landscape's gonna change, right? A year from now, that could be different and there could be EDR platforms that have matured a lot and they really can replace a SIM and function in that way. But at least today, um, you know, we tend to advise clients, you know, there's a, uh, in fact, there's one, again, one in particular that we really like that we use as kind of the SIM replacement then you integrate that with a really powerful EDR system. And together, that's how you achieve the, the benefits and the promise of what XDR has for the market. Very good. And I want our listeners to know, Matt, too, that, that Virtual Armor is a full-service uh, threat detection company. And what that means is, is that if it's a larger company, for example, that has a, a strict uh, log retention policy, 
because they're PCI or because they're FedRAMP or other compliances. Uh, it, it could be uh, they could be governed by SEC SEC law or FTC safeguards rule. Typically, the SIM will store those logs, or there are other ways to store the logs, but Virtual Armor can do that. Or if it's a smaller company with a lighter threat detection um, requirement, but nevertheless, they need to have some level of threat detection equivalent with their budget, Virtual Armor can come in and install um, one of the, the top-notch um, um, endpoint technologies, such as uh, CrowdStrike or Sentinel-1. Both good companies. One's more expensive than the other. Uh, and and so uh, talk to us a little bit about working with companies based on their budget, based on their requirements, uh, based on outcomes, instead of just coming in and saying, hey, you need this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, uh, I yeah, appreciate you bringing that up. We are uh, not a one-size-fits-all approach. We are highly customized in how we approach each client engagement. And so, um, you know, whether that be regulatory environment that the client is in. So, right, that client that needs to be thoughtful about PCI because they're in financial services or HIPAA because they're in the healthcare space, um, helping make sure they can meet the requirements, not only of the regulation, but also their own internal policies, um, as well as, you know, what are the client's internal capabilities and at where do they where do they most need and value having a managed services partner uh, playing in their space versus where do we have their own teammates taking certain roles? And so we customize that based on where the client is at. Um, everything from, again, some clients, we take on full management of the platforms and the devices that we're supporting. Uh, in other cases, it's co-management um, uh, based on, on what their needs are. Um, and even our escalation procedures, um, but that's customized. And so as we go through the implementation process of the client, um, we sit down and we align on custom um, escalation procedures that match their needs and how they want to operate as, as an organization. So, yeah, we really try and meet clients where they're at um, and bringing the value of really high-quality, best-in-class platforms. You mentioned a couple of the ones that we serve uh, service on the EDR side. Um, every you know, We can bring those all the way from large enterprise clients all the way down to you know, relatively small organizations. In fact, we also... Um, to try and get to even smaller organizations. Maybe we have 20 employees or 50 employees that, you know, traditionally some of these, these leading platforms have been out of reach for. Um, it's just been too expensive for them. Uh, we actually partner with some of our sister companies in Evergreen who are MSPs um, and now have ways to actually offer those services even to small businesses because of those MSP partnerships. Fantastic. And Matt, what happens in a, let, let's say you run into an organization that, that says, and I've heard this, we've made a significant investment in Splunk, for example, but we don't have anybody to manage it. How, how do you approach that kind of a scenario? Yeah, so there's there's maybe two lenses I would apply to that. So one one is, uh, because we're, some, we're actually relatively technology agnostic, so at any given time, we have a couple of platforms in each of our categories that we think are the industry leaders, and that's where we tend to recommend for clients who are looking for a platform. Um, and if a client comes to us with a platform that we think is, is a solid platform and they'd like us to manage it, uh, oftentimes we can do that. And so that so one answer is, if a client comes to us with Splunk, Splunk is still a really uh, a great platform. We don't do a lot of new Splunk implementations um, at this point, but we still have clients that, that use Splunk, and, and we can take it and manage that for them if, if they feel like Splunk is the right um, uh, platform for their environment. The other is um, trying to play an advisor role to clients as well, right? So 
platforms are going to change over time. Um, the technology landscape will change over time. The threat landscape will change over time. And platform that you have chosen five years ago may have been exactly the right answer then. And, and today actually may not be the right answer for your organization. And as we think about where you're headed and what your goals are for your security posture over the next one to two years may not be the right answer. And so we, we try to really take a stance of not just being that kind of the reactive partner um, to, you know, here's the alert or the incident or the request, um, but also being the proactive partner that shows up and says, hey, you know, what are you focused on for the next couple of years? What do you want to achieve as an organization? What, what's important to you? Um, and then trying to provide some advisory service on, okay, here's our suggestions on how to get there. And I think they're, they're, the, the benefit of that is, is we can help clients um, with even platform evolutions where that makes sense for them so they don't find themselves getting behind just because they made an investment five years ago and it's really time to change to something else. Um, and so, you know, that, that's something that frequently happens as well with clients. And we said, again, some that have platforms very well embedded in their organization, it's working well for them, they're happy, and we'll support them, we'll meet them where they're at. Um, and for those that aren't quite what they need, given where they want to be, we can help them make a transition to a platform that might be a better fit for them today. Very good. We'll come back to this and more in a minute. WebCheck Security looks to Nexus IT to partner for IT security. Need data storage that you can prove aligns with your industry's regulations? Need appropriate documentation of compliance efforts to prepare you for potential audits? Don't have the time or manpower to create policy templates as you implement new procedures in your organization? Tried and true, let Nexus IT consultants do it for you. To find out more, go to www.nexusitc.net or call them at 435-659-2533. And we're back with Matt Daly, CEO of Virtual Armor. Matt, where is XDR going relative to AI? This is a trick question, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, actually, um, today, I mean, again, AI is another one of those buzzwords, right, that is used as, as marketing. Right, um, and let me just throw extent. this out there before you answer the question. I think it's going to yeah. have a place, but it's like blockchain. That was going to solve everything, right? <laughs> and, uh, and it didn't. It created some neat solutions for a secure custody of, of events, but it's not cybersecurity. It's, it's a tool. It's an element. And I, I feel like AI's, AI is kind of the same way. I do feel like it can be a game changer, but it's not the game changer. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, yeah, it does. And, and, uh, you know, I, um, effective cybersecurity is a combination of technology and human expertise. And and I think that will continue to be the case. Right. And so AI becomes one more tool that you have in your toolkit. But if you don't have that paired with, with human expertise, it, it's not going to get you um, a whole lot. And, and I, you know, I think we're already seeing that there is some impact from AI. And so right, we already can see um, some of the platforms that are out there and, and, and ones that we use that are starting to embed AI technology. And we and that's valuable, right? And so if, if you just go back to, you know, um, how we how we detect threats, I think you can kind of see why AI will have a role and will actually continue to play a really important role. So, right, if you, if you just go back in time, you know, the, the most basic way to detect a threat is you have a database of here's all the things that are threatening and look for these things and and then flag them, right? And so, you know, here's URLs that I know are threatening. Here's IP addresses that I know that are threatening. You know, I identified those, 
great, it's a threat, here's the alert, go and do something about it. Um, and then what you see happens is is bad actors get smart and they realize that if they continue to, you know, they, they realize basically here's the stuff in the database and now I've got to find more sophisticated ways of doing threats or, or doing attacks. And so then we developed behavioral based um, way of recognizing threats. And so you look for, you look for patterns. Um, and uh, and then you flag and say, hey, based on this pattern, this is suspicious. Now take a look at this, and that served us really well. Uh, and uh, bad actors, as they grow increasingly sophisticated, realize that you can get around those detection um, algorithms, um, and they increasingly figure out you know what those detection algorithms are. Um, and they also have access to AI, and so right, so you're actually starting to see um, uh, attacks that are are aided by AI and how those attacks are designed and generated and carried out uh, and done in a way that increasingly allows you to get around behavioral-based detection. So I think fundamentally, you need to have that same tool on the good guy side um, to be able to have AI that can also see things and, and recognize patterns that are outside of the, the algorithms we've been using and the things that have worked for us um, and can evolve at the same pace that the threats are evolving. And again, you're already seeing that happen to some extent. And so I think that there's huge role that AI plays in that um, threat detection capability, that will continue to grow. And, and I think fundamentally, AI is, is, you know, is one of those technologies that has been around for a little while, but was there were a lot of barriers to entry, essentially. Um, and so it was really the more sophisticated, um, you know, bad guy organizations that, that could actually access that kind of technology. And now AI is becoming increasingly available to the masses. Um, and so I, I think actually you will see that reflected in the way that attacks are carried out um, and, and more broad access to AI and more broad access to kind of AI backed, um, backed threats uh, that are happening in the environment. So I think, I think, you know, if platforms don't have AI built into them, I think they will quickly find that they're not able to effectively detect and respond to the threats that are going to be out there. Very good. And is Virtual Armor doing any of its own development, or do you look to your partners uh, to provide some of the AI tools that may you may employ in the future? Yeah, it's really the latter, and it, and that's a, a strategic decision on our part. Um, you know, my my theory, and, and I think this broadly kind of held by those of us at Virtual Armor, is you know we will never be able to invest as much as Sentinel One um, or. Um, or CrowdStrike, right? Or, or um, you know, Stellar right. Cyber, which is another one of the one of the XDR platforms we work with. We will never invest the number of dollars they have in in research and development. Um, and so, rather than us trying to develop our own platforms that we utilize, we want to stay aligned with what the best ones are. And that's going to change, right? So the ones that are leaders today may not be the leaders seven years from now. And so, so what we do is we try and just stay really close to the technology that's evolving. Um, and and staying close to what the best technologies are in the marketplace and leveraging the best ones today and as that landscape changes being able to bring in new technologies into our environment being able to then give advice to our clients on um, how to continually access the best that's out there and i think just you know fundamentally unless you're a really really large corporation um, it's really hard to stay ahead in a space like this on a, from a technology standpoint uh, human expertise you can and like that that's a place you can really compete and add a lot of value um, but i think that's a, it's a good space for us to be as ledger, leveraging the best in class that's out there fair enough and i view you as as the expert services you're the people the the feet on the street the the friendly face that will recommend uh, implement and then manage run that technology uh, for your clients and and you're not going to have iRobot doing that anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. I mean, that's totally right, right? So you, you can go buy the very best platform 
Um, but if you don't have the people side of it, you're not getting the value. In fact, we were actually just recently having a discussion with a client. Um, we provide some other services for them, uh, but they self-manage CrowdStrike in their environment. And actually, they were acknowledging and saying, listen, we actually, you know, we think CrowdStrike's a great platform. We love CrowdStrike. And we realize we're not getting the full value out of it. Like, we don't even know how to uh, get the full value out of the platform. And so actually, we were just talking about, well, you know, here's how we could step in and help you. Um, and essentially co-manage it with you to help you get the full value because yeah, it's not, it's not just the platform. You have to have the platform and the expertise. Right. Well, Matt, a couple more questions before we wrap up this podcast here. So the first one is, as you know, providing a managed and quality threat detection alerting service is not easy since it involves an investment on the part of the, the company that, that wants that, that service. It's not the mere installation of, uh, um, anti-malware, you know, the old semantic, I got Norton, I'm good, right? Um, It's evolved quite a bit, as you know. If you could wave your magic wand and thoroughly educate your prospective clients and help them understand some key point or points, what what would that point or points be so that they can be successful in investing in and implementing this service? Yeah, so I think it actually goes back to the earlier conversation. What does it take to have a really good security posture? And the technology certainly matters and the expertise. And the other one I'd add is the capacity and the focus to actually um, to manage it effectively. And, uh, and, and you really have to have all three of those in order to have a strong security posture. And I, you know, I actually, it's been really fun as I've gone into um, uh, one of our, our physical locations where we have a lot of our, our SOC teammates. Um, and uh, this is a few months and just, just spent time with them and just kind of shattered and watched what they do. Um, and, you know, this is not just simply, you know, CrowdStrike tells you there's a problem and you just go click a button to clear the alert, right? I mean, when I, when I watch them on, okay, here's the alert that came in, how do they go then pick that up, go and do the investigations, where are they doing their research, how are they digging into the client's environment, as well as going looking at external third-party sources to try to understand the nature of the threat and where this threat might be showing up in other locations, doing really thorough investigations so they can have, okay, now... I really understand where this is coming from, and here's the action to take to really protect yourself. Um, it, it really is actually pretty um, uh, pretty impressive um, what goes into doing an effective investigation and remediation action and how quickly it gets done, right? So, you know, something comes in at 2 a.m., and you've got someone that within 10 minutes has picked this thing up, is doing an investigation, and, you know, 20 minutes later, they've then got an action that they're recommending on what you can take. Um, you know, it, it, it's impressive. And, uh, and companies usually cannot do that themselves, right? And so uh, even if they have a great platform, they may not have the expertise. Uh, someone that's keeping up on all that stuff and also has the capacity that they can have that level of responsiveness. Um, and so I think that's one piece is just helping clients to understand you really got to have all three of those elements. Um, and, and we can help you with that. We can help make sure that all three of those elements are in place and continue to be in place uh, going forward. Very good. Well, Matt, what are some of the cool threats? If, if you can think back in the uh, time you've been with Virtual Armor, what have the guys found that has been kind of game-changing for a company or just unique or anomalous or interesting scenarios with uh, the threat detection technology you've been managing for your customers? Yeah, I, I think one of the um, scariest threats, actually, is the insider attacks. <laughs> and so... Um, uh, right where where you have someone in, internal that makes action. So actually, there's one uh, example that came across just in the last uh, little bit where it was actually it was a a member of the IT staff in the organization. Wow. Uh, so they 
they knew where all the all the weaknesses were. Um, they also, uh, you know, they I think had a sense that they probably were not going to be around a whole much uh, a whole lot longer, and that there were some, you know, I, I assume that's probably related to some performance related issues. Um, and they actually created the back door for themselves <laughs> into the into the network. Um, and mm. so, uh, so after after termination did in fact happen for that person, um, within a really short kind of short time, they they were back inside and actually trying to perform some malicious activity. Uh, and luckily, the the platforms and the people were able to spot that very very quickly. They recognized it. They were able to shut it down. Um, but that's a good example of where if there wasn't someone looking, so especially in this case where right, this isn't an outside party that has to you know they get inside, but then they got to like figure out how to actually navigate when they're inside the network. This is someone that knew the space, and so once they got through the door, uh, or you know, in this case, the window that they cracked open before they left <laughs> left the building. Once they got through that through there, um, they knew how to navigate, and they actually could have quite quickly taken action that could have been detrimental to the company. Um, but because they had someone doing active monitoring, and they could spot that immediately and respond immediately, they could put a stop to that. And again, this is another great example of you know, if you don't have someone helping you with the management, and this happens at two a.m. And it takes you until you know eight thirty the next morning when your person shows up and even recognizes that there could be a threat. Um, you know that amount of time can actually be really detrimental to a company. Well, that's a great story, and it meant a lot to that company. Obviously, I think you'll agree the challenge in your industry is showing the value to your clients because sometimes things don't happen for three months, and and uh, uh, you know a, a a bean counter may say, hey. We're paying, you know, five, ten, fifteen thousand a month for this high-end service, and what are we getting out of it? Well, <laughs> until something like that happens, which could have derailed the business. Um, at WebCheck Security, we have a a little risk calculator that we can run our clients through that will dollarize, or I call it the cyber risk monetizer, because it actually puts a dollar value to this kind of a breach and, and and it can be catastrophic for businesses they just don't realize that with the legal pr um, breach impact restoring the cyber structures or the servers uh, it, they can be down for a day and how much revenue do you lose in one day if things go down what about 10 days <laughs> it starts to yep, add up yep. pretty quickly not to mention if you're cyber insured uh, or you even have uh, error and omissions policy, and it's going to impact that. Is that policy going to go up? You bet it. You bet it will. Uh, we we had a client that was breached, and their policy went up by fifty thousand dollars a year, and and wow. and there and that was because um, an Australian branch was breached, <laughs> and the corporate policy went up. So that's a good story, Matt. That, that's an invaluable service that you're offering there. And uh, sometimes cybersecurity is like that, isn't it? It's like, what value am I getting out of this? But it's just like your car insurance policy. You know, someday you are going to get in an accident. It's kind of not a matter of, you know, if, it's more a when, right? Yeah. I mean, so actually, similar to the way that you try and um, monetize that for clients, we actually do the same thing. So every quarter, um, we provide them with a, a report. Because, um, right, your your CISO or your director of a security, Security, they understand the value of having this kind of service in place. Right. Your CFO or your CEO, you know, they don't pay a lot of attention maybe to that uh, group until something goes wrong or unless something goes wrong. Um, and so, you know, one thing that we've shown people that actually is, is quite powerful uh, that allows them to go and have conversations with other members of the leadership team is um, 
here's just the number of incident or of alerts that you had, right? So look at the level of alerts and based on just some, you know, basic statistics, what percentage of those, if there wasn't someone managing that, could have turned into an actual um, incident that could have been uh, detrimental to your company. Um, and, you know, no company has zero alerts, right? Every, every single organization has alerts and some of them have very, very high volume of alerts. And it's actually quite easy to show, hey, without management, you know, here's the number of potential breaches you could have had just over the last quarter. And um, actually IBM has a great report they put out every year about the cost of a, a cyber breach. Um, and the current stat is, it's it's nearly four and a half million dollars per breach on average, and and that's actually a worldwide stat. Uh, if you look at just the U.S. alone, it's actually over nine million dollars is the average cost of a data breach. And so, yeah, for a lot of companies, that that ends the company if that kind of thing happens. So you put those kinds of numbers in front of people, um, and you put a little bit of data, and it's very quick to see that this this matters, and this is actually a really big deal for us to pay attention to. What is the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you, Matt, if they want to learn more about this and about you guys? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you can visit us at our website. Um, we're also um, pretty active on social media, especially LinkedIn. Uh, so our, our name is Virtual Armor, and it's the, it's the British spelling. So it's uh, A-R-M-O-U-R. Proper, uh, so proper British spelling. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the, the, our, our UK teammates tell me it's just period the proper spelling. And that we have it wrong in the U.S. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so virtualarmor.com with the proper British spelling. That, that's right, and you can find some of the same name on LinkedIn. We actually uh, really try and put out a lot of content on a regular basis on LinkedIn, and and you know some of them are just kind of fun and engaging. But we have every week we try to put out some really um, thoughtful pieces that are kind of educational in nature, helping companies to understand current threats, maybe things happening in the media that they can be responsive to and look at their own organization for. So really trying to make that a, a, a valid source of information for companies that want to subscribe. Well, Matt Daly, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. This has been uh, an interesting, if not a uh, fantastic discussion. And um, let's have you back again. Can we do it? Thanks, Greg. It's been a real pleasure and would love to. Fantastic. Vistas thanks our sponsors, Nexus IT Consultants, for White Glove Cybersecurity and IT Assistance, contact Nexus IT at nexusitc.net or call them at 435-659-2533. Today's music has been provided by Suit Up Soldier and can be downloaded on Spotify, Apple Music, and other popular platforms. Please subscribe to this podcast, folks. We put out great episodes like this every month with amazing people like Matt. And until next month, speak only good of others and live positively. <laughs>